feel that the lack of confidence is holding you back? You're in the right spot. Welcome to The Sharon McLaughlin Show. We are going to be talking about building unshakable confidence. You hear the science behind it, and we'll also hear stories from women who have pushed through this and are changing the world. Now, they may have not always had confidence, but they're on the other side now, and we're going to learn a lot from them. With each episode, you'll leave with actionable steps that you can implement today. Thanks so much for joining us. Today, we have Dr. Libby Schensmeyer with us. She is going to be talking about life design. She has a new podcast, so definitely check it out. It is called Living True by Design. Yeah. And I like to refer to her as Dr. Libby because it's easier for me to say. But Dr. Libby, tell us about your background, your medical background. You're a physician. And yes, this training is in pathology. Uh, so I actually did a year of a family practice residency, and then I switched to pathology. So, And I've been practicing pathology. And then this past year, I left that full-time job to uh, begin life coaching and, um, yeah, being around kids more, too. So it's been a really nice year. Ladies, for you listening out there, take a listen, right? So many years to become a physician. Good paying job, pathologist, definitely in need. Um, definitely a secure job, right? There's a huge job market out there for pathologists. Yes. And then to say to yourself, okay, I'm not 100% fulfilled, whatever your reasons are. And I'm going to go and do this because this is where my passion lies. I, I admire you for taking this leap because so many of us, including myself many times during my life, would not take that leap. We like the sure thing. We like the security. Yes. I looked at the leap for years. It wasn't a quick process. It was something I thought about. And, you know, I have kids. And when you have kids, that's a whole other level, right? You know, it's like one thing if it was me in an apartment eating my can of beans, like living, <laughs> living off the land, but it's like, I want to support my kids. And so there was a lot of thought and planning that went into it. So it's, you know, and I'm still doing, I have like small little part-time stuff. So it's not just a huge shift. I don't want to give that impression, you know, mm -hmm. that it wasn't very, it took a long time. And a, a lot of it had to do with life design of like creating this uh, vision and then stepping into that based on my internal, you know, values and guidance and structure versus the external things that we, you know, as physicians are kind of enculturated to go after. So let's talk about that life design. For those that are listening out there, what would you recommend? Where do they start? Give us some tips. Oh, gosh. So I think the biggest thing with life design is shifting from our external motivation to an internal motivation. And so the I, I would start with clarifying where we really are in our life. I'm I'm looking at you <laughs> in the camera. So I'm, I, I realized I was following you. Um, but I would start with knowing where we are, like assessing your life realistically. And that sounds pretty obvious. But when I started doing my own personal life design, I didn't realize, you know, the context and my thinking. And it's kind of this meta view of your life of like, what do I tell myself all the time? So it's first of all, starting to notice these voices and things that we're doing. And then second of all, like really get to know who we are and not like, I like fancy restaurants and movies, but who we are like, here are my core values. I value freedom and autonomy and community, you know, really getting those. 
and then making decisions and moves from that because that's how we create our life of meaning, not, you know, the external validation. Because as you probably know, you know, it's like we go after all these external things for years and then it's really disappointing to achieve this. And we were told that's what was going to make everything fulfilling to us. And then it is fulfilling. I don't want to minimize it, but it's also, there's always, it's like this little itch you can't quite scratch, you know? Yeah, but you asked that question. What else now? I had so many of us, I think, are yeah. challenged by the challenge. Yes. Yeah. So we get it. We get that end point. And then we say, okay, we hear what else now? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's life too, right? We're always going to evolve. And and because we want to, I believe that we're like expansive people, you know, especially physicians, you know, you're, we're curious and we want to learn things. And so I think we want to keep evolving, but it's also realizing what is going to create meaning and fulfillment in your own heart, in your life. Any other tips you want to provide before we move on to the polyvagal? Oh, gosh. I I would love, let's see. Um, just one little quick thing you could do, not quick, but something very valuable would be to identify your top five values and be able to say them. And I would say that's really helpful with decision making. So, you know, if I, any kind of decision you want to make from teeny tiny to like, should I change jobs? Um, does this today fall into the criteria of being in alignment with my my personal values? And there's a bunch of different lists. I have lists. I mean, I've, that's a whole other thing, but that's something that I think is one of the most effective things to do really early when you're starting to design your life and your future and what you want to do going forward. Polyvagal, tell us about it. So... The polyvagal theory is by Dr. Stephen Porges. I don't know how familiar you are with it. I don't know how familiar other people are, but it it captured my imagination and my curiosity and my brain <laughs> because it was things I didn't know about in medical school. We are taught our audit- autonomic nervous system is our sympathetic and parasympathetic, right? And so we're either going to fight or flight or freeze. And that was kind of basically the extent of it. You know, um, of course, we talked a little bit about the state of aggression, but then Stephen Porges came along. I think he was started out around the 60s and he's still practicing. I think he's in at North Carolina now. I believe he was in Indiana for a while. Um, And he started doing research and he talked about psychophysiology research, which I love that word because it's this mind-body connection. And so he started looking at it and got really deep into it and came up with a whole theory of our nervous system, which is a little bit different. It's still the sympathetic and parasympathetic, but he says there's a hierarchy, like levels of our nervous system. And there's first we have that, well, he divides this parasympathetic into two. We always talked about two, sympathetic and parasympathetic, and he divided the parasympathetic into two. So it's like this. He, we have our dorsal vagal, ventral vagal, and parasympathetic. I have it upside down. Ventral vagal is the top. Then we have sympathetic, and then we have dorsal vagal. So ventral vagal, his unique contribution is this ventral vagal is our social connectedness. And how important that is in our physiology and our health mentally, physically, emotionally, this 
this social connection is so vitally important to us. And so he talks about when we're safe and connected with other people, we're in that state. And then he talks about the sympathetic state and the parasympathetic dorsal vagal state, which is a collapsed state. And it all goes back to our state of being and how we're in the world. And one of the parts of this theory is neuroception. And as, you know, a life coach and um, just a person on the planet, you know, we <laughs> we think we can use our brains to like talk ourselves into out of anything. And we have this neuroception, our body all the time is looking at things around us and it is telling us if we're safe and so things will be drawing us towards it or get or away from it right and so this idea of neuroception i love because that we can change our level of safety like i if i've had a certain trauma in the past i might interpret something as safe or not safe and maybe you would interpret the same situation as safe or not safe, depending on your level of trauma. And so it really, to me, lets us each have our own freedom of like, this is appropriate for me. My body is safe. And it a lot of it is based on the cues that we are perceiving, right? Like neuroception, if you walk up to the edge of a cliff, you don't have to think in your neocortex, your outer thinking brain, oh my goodness, this is high. I better not fall off because I could die. We Our, our body perceives it, right? Like it's, our body says, whoa, stop. And then, <laughs> and then we can think about it. And then we can take in the view if we feel safe or run away if we don't feel safe. So uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I love it. I think it's it explains so much, you know, when we're connected and feel safe to another person, then we're our bodies is at ease and we, our homeostasis is established in that state versus, I, and I, I think medical training honestly puts us in a chronic dysregulated state at some level, you know, it's arguable how dysregulated of a state it is, but it's, you know, loud noises and we don't know who's coming from what direction, you know, there's something is always happening. I mean, we're not on the verge of dying. But it's stress on our bodies. And I think that it's under-recognized as far as the toll it can really take on us. How can we implement this in our lives? Mm, I love this. Um, we can be aware of our cues. And by that, we might not know, but we can perceive sometimes like, I'm a little uneasy here. And if you can figure out why, that's helpful. Um, but the thing is, it's not, you know, culturally we're told we have to remove all threat, just take it away. But that's not the whole story. Our nervous system doesn't know we're okay when there's an absence of threat. We have to establish an environment of safety. And so for that, it could be something like making your home feel comfortable or even there's things like, you know, sitting against the wall in a restaurant if that makes you feel uncomfortable because sometimes people are not comfortable with your back to the door and that's a real thing you know i think we don't give ourselves like we don't validate that as a real thing you know but it can make you feel comfortable so just being aware that cues of safety can really affect us you know or even if you're in the hospital and things are really loud say wow i need a moment and take yourself out of a situation that might be loud or overstimulating and Go to a quiet room, you know, little things like that. 
can really tell your body you're okay to regulate your state. And then from that, you can connect with people and you can think, you know, when you're dysregulated, you can't even think, you can't even touch other people. You end up in arguments and misunderstandings because your brain is literally offline, you know? You know, you mentioned the parasympathetic before and the ventral. So many of us are not connected at all. Either we talk about how many Americans now feel lonely, even though they may yes. have people around them. And I think COVID didn't help at all. And I'm not so sure we ever came back to like those pre-COVID numbers. People are still on their phones more so than ever. And it just, you know, you may feel like you're entertained a little bit, but, and it takes up a lot of time. But that connection, was, the, the human connection, we've lost. So it's yes. so important. The other yeah. thing is when you were mentioning as far as feeling safe, I believe that we need to be very careful about who, look, if sometimes we have people in our lives that we want to help, right? Mm -hmm. We try to go out of our way to help, but we feel like maybe they don't appreciate or they're draining our energy. And so what would be your advice to that woman out there who's, because I think in general, women physicians, women mm -hmm. in general, we're nurturers, right? Trying yes. to help somebody. But it's just not working out. They're not appreciating it. How do you, what is your advice as far as stepping back? Well, this is so easy if it's not me, right? Like yeah. it's you do as I say, right? And it's harder to do it ourselves. I think first is this kind of talking about this helps us become aware of it. And when we're aware of it, we can honor it. For me, at least, you know, if I'm like, oh, this is valid. I'm not feeling steady right here. I feel off balance by this person. Something in my body is just off. You know, is that valid or not? Yes. Is it, would you have the same response? Probably not, right? And so honoring how we're feeling in the moment and like establishing these safety cues, you know, of maybe being around somebody less. If if they just make your body, you know, cringe, that again, I think, and I know I've fallen into this, if I can't explain it, if I can't justify it, if I can't say, here's five reasons this person is not healthy for me to be in this room with in this moment, we we minimize our feelings. But knowing about neuroception, like our body is picking up information, you know, the vagal nerve, which he talks about a lot, the polyvagal system. It is, it's, <laughs> you know, it it innervates our face, our our throat, our voice, our ears. And we pick up these little bitty cues, like you can hear this change in my tone of voice and you take it in, right? And so, and, and like a little change in our face, we pick these things up. And so that's part of that neuroception of, trusting ourselves. And I think that's a learning process. I think we've unlearned it for a long time or maybe never learned it. And so to me, it's really exciting to start to learn this, you know, of trusting ourselves and our perceptions and leaning into the idea that it's okay for me to want to feel safe and secure and in an environment that feels cozy and warm. And we need that that is an actual physiologic need that we have. Libby, I'm all about confidence. Part of the confidence is, do you listen to your own self, right? Like the intuition that I call it intuition. But if it's stemming from our polyvagal, listen to it. But the cues that Dr. Libby is talking about, so good. Such a great conversation. Thank yeah. you for being here. Yeah, thank you. 
people want to listen to your podcast, where do they find you? Living True by Design is the podcast. And you can find me on all kinds of social media at Dr. Libby Schonsmeyer, that Dr. Libby Schonsmeyer.com and Instagram and uh, TikTok, YouTube, all the places. Thanks so, so much for being here today, Dr. Libby. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Could you do me a favor? If you like this episode, could you give it a great review? Also, if you know a friend who can benefit from this episode, can you share it with them, please? If you have any questions or suggestions, reach out to me. Thanks so much for joining The Sharon McLachlan Show. I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you.